This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. Yeah. I, well, you know, I think because I took the lead, mm-hmm. I think I, I felt like I was like <laughs> crazy excited. She was excited, but I was like, you're not as excited as me. Like, I, was, <laughs> I was I was like going crazy. But yeah, she was she was really happy because it meant that we could make some other changes and we could, you know, live life a little bit differently than we had up until that point. dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're talking about credit card debt. Yeah, you know that nasty high-interest stuff that drags you down and holds you back from financial freedom? Yeah, according to Bankrate, 29% of Americans have more credit card debt than they have in an emergency fund. That is some scary, scary stuff. So today I have a guest that accumulated quite a bit of credit card debt right around the time he got married, and we're going to talk about how he got out of that mess. Chris Browning is our guest. He is the creator and the host of the award-winning short-form podcast, popcorn finance. His topics range from understanding the basics of investing all the way to his love of tiny homes. Chris's advice has been featured in major publications like NerdWallet, Yahoo Finance, and CNBC, and I am thrilled to have him on the show today. Welcome to the show, Chris. Hey, thanks for having me, Andy. I'm really excited to be here. Absolutely. So before we talk about credit card debt, Chris, how did you and your wife get together in the first place? Yeah, you know, we've been together for what feels like forever at this point. We actually met each other in high school. So I was a senior, she was a junior. And uh, the funny thing is, we both, uh, we're both African-American, but we, were, we both had a lot of friends with different backgrounds, and we had a lot of friends who were Asian. And so we were actually in the Asian-American club. For, for some reason, some friends invited us, and we're like, yeah, why, why not? You know, it's high school. You just do random stuff. So we're, we're the only two black people in the Asian-American club. So obviously, everyone's like, hey, have you two met each other? <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, no. So then they made us talk to each other, which was very weird. Uh, and then that was kind of like our first like real introduction because we had mutual friends. We just didn't know each other. And then we both happened to be on the track team. So I did uh, discus and she did pole vault and discus. And we kind of became friends from there, started talking. And that's kind of where our relationship started. Just, you know, 17, 18 year old kids and, and random track practice in uh, Asian American club. <laughs> that is great. High school sweethearts. I love that. That's cool. So when you guys got close to thinking about getting engaged and things like that, and I'll, I'll share a quick horrible story with you uh, with, <laughs> with regard to debt. I bought my wife's engagement ring with my student loans because I thought they were just sort of like endless money that you could spend on anything. So <laughs> as you approached this, since we're talking about debt, how did you buy the engagement ring? How did that all work? Or did you get an engagement ring? Yeah, so I did get her an engagement ring, and this was I, this was probably like one of the most financially responsible moves I made as a young person. I actually had saved up money, not specifically for the ring, but I actually had some money saved up. Not much. I think it was like a few thousand dollars, and I don't know how long it took me to actually save that up. Uh, so I actually was able to take cash and go buy the ring, but that was probably the last financially smart move I made for a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you started things off, right? So let's talk about the, the wedding. So you guys got engaged and then talk us through that plan. So you, you planned out what type of wedding you were going to have and then how did you decide to finance it? Yeah. So like I said, I spent all the cash I actually had on a ring. 
So then we got engaged, and then immediately, you probably know this, Andy, immediately after you you propose, the wedding planning starts. Like you in my mind, I was like, oh, we're gonna I'm gonna get get proposed, I'm gonna propose to her. Then, you know, I got like six months before we even have to talk about this. Like, no, it was like literally we told her her parents, like, well, they already knew, but we went and showed them the ring, and then they're like, Oh, so when are you guys getting married? I was like, Oh man. Absolutely. So, <laughs> Isn't that frustrating? It's like, hey, I just got engaged. That would that took a lot of work. Don't give me a break for a second. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I thought this through. I planned it out, and now I gotta start planning again. So immediately we started talking about the wedding, and she didn't have anything saved, I didn't have anything saved, but we knew we wanted to start the ball, the process, get the ball rolling. And so as we started to, you know, reach out to these vendors and, and find the venue and all these things, obviously you had to start putting down deposits. And that's when the credit card came out because that was literally the only money or it wasn't really money. That was the only way we had to pay for these items. And our parents weren't in a position to really help us in a significant way. They were able to give us some money as much as they could, but it was really just a small percentage of the, what ended up being the total cost. So that's kind of what started to happen. We, we book a DJ, we book the church, you know, we get the, uh, the, the caterer and all these things start to add up, even though we're trying to be very conservative and, and be, you know, really responsible with, with what we're spending. Uh, in the end, I think we hit somewhere around $14,000 in total. Yeah. For the wedding, which seemed like reasonable when you read stories about people spending $50,000, but $14,000 is a lot when you have $0 to <laughs> to cover any of that. Absolutely, especially right at the start of your 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 marriage. So the $14,000 that was outside of the support from mom and dad as well. Yes. Yeah. Oh wow. So that was the credit card that you you guys had. So was it was it an epic celebration? Did you have fun? We had a great time. Everyone said they had an amazing time. They had a lot of fun. And I mean, we have memories of it. And that that was really cool to have all our family, both sides come together before the reality of paying for it set in. So that was, <laughs> that, was that was a nice experience. <laughs> did did that reality hit sort of right after the wedding? Or did you say, you know, let's let's keep rolling and, and enjoy this honeymoon period? How, how did that all go? I think it was deferred a little bit because we went on a honeymoon, which also went on a credit card. Uh, that was somewhere around, I think, somewhere between two to three thousand uh, dollars. We went to Hawaii, which neither of us had ever been there before, and it seemed like this, you know, hey, your honeymoon, you got to do something special. So we ended up throwing it on a credit card. Had a great time there too, but <laughs> but again, that that kind of ticked the balance up even higher. And then and then obviously things kept rolling from there. Where did where did you guys live? Did you live together? Did you rent a place? Did you buy a place? How did that all go? So at the time when we got married, I was living with my cousin and my wife was still living with their family. And so neither one of us had real furniture because I was living with a guy. We, you know, we had like a couch and we had each had a bed. And that's pretty that's the extent of our furniture right there. That, <laughs> that was all we had. And my wife, you know, she's living in her parents house in her childhood bedroom. So, you know, she had a small bed that we was not going to work for two people. So once we got married, we were like, OK, we're going to need some furniture. So, you know, we took a trip to Ikea, as most young couples do. And <laughs> we went there and picked out a bunch of stuff. And again, we put on a credit card because we had no cash to cover any of these expenses. And at the time, her parents had offered for us to stay in a like a studio they had behind their home, which I did not want to do. But it was <laughs> it was an amazingly generous offer. And I knew that we had this debt. Uh, and we were at the time, I think, combined, we were making somewhere around, I'd say, $48,000, somewhere around there for combined, which um, wasn't a whole lot, especially for Southern California. And I knew that, you know, we, I guess we could get an apartment, but all of our money is going to be going to that and this debt is just going to just sit there. So we took them up on their offer and I think we we're paying somewhere around $800, which was like a, it's, which is a bargain for out here and other places you could buy a house for $800 a month. But out here, that's like, it's like, that's fine for a nice studio, especially studio apartment. California. You said you're in Southern California. Is that right? Yeah. So, uh, we're probably like 
40 minutes outside of Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, that is a good deal then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so between, so, so the furniture, what, what did that, what did that put you back then? So I think we were somewhere around, it's been, it's been about seven years now yeah. at this point. So I'd say it was somewhere around $1,200 okay. that we spent to get everything to furnish the, the entire space. Okay. So all in all, after the wedding and the, you know, the honeymoon and the furniture, where were you guys sitting with your credit card debt as you're starting your marriage? So as we're starting, I think we hit somewhere around, that probably puts it somewhere around nineteen, eighteen, nineteen thousand dollars yeah. of credit card debt. And it was kind of a slow uptick from there because it didn't just stop after we bought those things. We kind of had other things that popped up that kept pushing that total up higher. Yeah, yeah. And so making forty eight K combined at almost twenty thousand dollars of credit card debt. I mean, when did you when did you get this realization that you said, okay? Uh, the, the, the credit card game's got to stop. You know, it took a little while. So we got married in 2012 and it was around 2014 when I think I hit like the breaking point with all of this, uh, because at that point our debt had climbed to about $27,000 mm. of total credit card debt. And that was, you know, we had uh, an emergency room visit that popped up out of nowhere, some school expenses that we weren't expecting. And then just in general, we weren't really talking to each other about money, but we were still using credit cards. And so I would use a credit card. Uh, my wife would use it at the same time. We didn't really talk, so we didn't know who was making the payment. And so the balances were kind of just growing slowly, and they would just add up over time. And so in 2014, I don't know what it was. I think I knew in the back of my mind that this debt was building up. I was, I was aware, uh, but I just wasn't doing anything about it. And I just decided to look, and I just added everything up. And when I saw that it had hit 27000 I was like, that's more than half of what we make in an entire year before taxes. And I think that's when the stress and anxiety hit me of the reality of what was going on. And I, I think yeah, I just got so stressed out that I was like, I got to do something about this. And I think that's when it all started to, I guess, started to make some progress or some plan to get rid of all this debt. Yeah, that's that's an incredible amount of money. And, and based on where you guys were making your money. I mean, that, yeah, that's a lot to climb out from. So what was the first action that you then took outside of just analyzing, whoa, okay, well, here where we are. What's the first action you took to combat the debt? So the first thing was to really look at like where all of our money was going. And I don't think we had a clear idea. It was just like, you know, the bills roll in you pay them and you just move on from there. And so I sat down and I looked at everything that we were spending our money on. So I just opened up Excel and I was like, all right, I'm just going to make a little line for every item and, you know, put down what we we're paying for rent, for food, for our cell phone, all these items. And then I looked at what was just not necessary and where could we make some cutbacks. And that was really the first step is like, we, I, we need some more cash flow. We need some more money available to put towards this debt. And at the time I, I couldn't think of any other source to get that money, but to start cutting things out of our budget. And I just went, you know, I went hardcore on cutting that budget up. I, I we, we were down to basically where, the only thing we were keeping for ourselves was maybe $20, $30 each per month to enjoy ourselves, which is not much enjoyment. And uh, everything else was just going towards the debt. That's great. Well, how did those conversations go with your wife then? Because you're like, all right, hey, <laughs> all this fun we've been having, how about 20 bucks a month? So how did, how did, how did that conversation go? You know, it was a little, it was a little rough. I, I have a hard time having difficult conversations, which I don't think I'm the only one, <laughs> but uh, it feels like it sometimes where it's just like, this is so uncomfortable and so awkward to bring this up because we hadn't really had these conversations and we hadn't been talking about money. And so the idea of bringing these up and knowing that it's not going to be fun for either of us to make these changes, uh, it, I, I don't, I think I was just so overwhelmed 
that I had no choice but to talk to her about it because I couldn't, I couldn't really take it on my own anymore. It was becoming overwhelming to where I'd be thinking about it at work. I'd be thinking about it in the evening when I get home. And it, it was, it got to a point where it's like, we just got to talk about this. And what really helped was, uh, I came to her from a point of just, I think so much frustration and, uh, anxiety about this and how it was impacting me on a daily basis. I think that kind of helped her kind of hop on board quickly because she saw how, how it was impacting me. And I think that made it a little bit easier for us to kind of come together because I don't think she wanted me to feel that way. And I know that, you know, once I really showed her what was going on, I don't think she wanted to be in that situation either. So that, that helped. It was still a hard conversation, but that helped the conversation get started and for us to get on the same page a little bit faster. Chris, I like how you, how you talked about that. You, you first shared your feelings. You first shared how you're being impacted emotionally from the situation and then showed her the numbers because sometimes like me, I start (laughs) with the numbers and my wife who works on emotions and feelings and things like that, uh, sometimes it doesn't click. Right. Um, Mm. and I think I, I, I don't want to just say women because men too, like, if you came to me and said, Andy, I'm really frustrated with this situation. What can we do to figure it out? I mean, you, you want to help people. So in, in that situation, your wife was in a position of like, oh, well, I can help by taking action with you or, or <laughs> being there for you. So I applaud you for, for doing that because that is the big step. Yes, you, you took the leadership position to look at the numbers, but then you also said, hey, this is the really tough thing to do. And you even admitted sharing your feelings like that. Um, and that's what a lot of people don't do because they maybe have some shame around it or they have some, some guilt or maybe what is this person going to think of me, my, my, my partner for life. So I, I commend you on, on, on that hard work because that is the tough spot. So did, did you guys do a budget together at that point or did you just take a leadership position and say, hey, here's what we're going to do? You know, I, I took the leadership position and my wife was fine with that. We talked about it and I said, you know, do you mind if I, I'll build a budget and, and, you know, we'll talk about it. But, you know, this, this was kind of my thing. I, I studied finance in school, which I think made this situation even worse because I felt like I should know better. I, I, I could have done, I have all these things in my head about how to avoid debt and, you know, we could have done all these things differently. So I felt a little bit of guilt and shame about that situation. And so I was like, let me take the lead. I'll put this together. And I think she trusted me to do that. So uh, for me, it was just really using Excel because that's just what I was comfortable with. I use it at work all the time. And so I just kind of built a a very basic budget and just made a line item for all of our expenses, kind of divided it up by the the two paychecks. We both got paid uh, every two weeks. So I just made a two column spreadsheet. Here's what we're going to pay on the first paycheck. Here's what we're paying on the second paycheck look at all those totals. And then anything that was left over literally just went to debt. And that was kind of how we got the whole ball rolling with, with starting to knock this debt down. We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsors. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work-optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? (laughs) If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. 
If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello and use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Thanks for considering our sponsors, everybody. Let's jump back into the show. So you, you went about it um, by making the budget, and then what areas did you find in that budget with, that were, I guess, the most effective to help you pay off the debt? Because sometimes if we can you know, look at the coffee drinking or the Netflix subscription or whatever it is, sometimes those little things uh, can help, but sometimes it's the bigger things. Where did you find mm. the best uh, mode for getting rid of this debt? You know, we were pretty, I think, good about our overall spending as far as we didn't have a lot of items that could be cut. Like I had already gotten rid of cable before we even got married. I was I was on the next Netflix train for years already at that point. So I didn't have to worry about that. And we didn't have a lot of other things to cut except for our food budget. And that was really the the biggest item for us. And this this one, it, it like scares me when I think about the numbers that we're spending on food sometimes. I went back. I forgot. I don't have no idea what month this was or what year. But I went and I added up the food that we had spent, the, the money we spent on food for that month. And we crossed a thousand dollars for wow. the two of us. Mm-hmm. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> I don't remember this like great steak dinner I had or some fancy place. I don't remember anything memorable about that month and eating at all. But somehow we managed to spend over a thousand dollars on food. And that's when I realized that was one of our biggest areas that we could attack as far as to cutting our food budget down. And it's something that that was, I don't know, what, five years almost at this point. And it's still something to this day that we struggle with. And it's 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 one of those items that is so hard to control because we get a lot of, I think, joy around going out to eat. And that's that's our way of hanging out. That's the way I spend time with friends is eating. And it's a hard one to keep under control. But So it's, it's still a struggle, but it's something that at least I'm mindful of and we're mindful of. And we can think about it and say, hey, uh, I think we went a little overboard last week. Let's maybe rein it in for the following week. So just being more mindful about that area specifically. So it was less of the grocery shopping and more of the going out to dinner kind of side of things. You know, it was a little bit of both, primarily eating out. That was by far the biggest impact. 
but I think the grocery side went a little wild. Uh, my, my wife does the majority of our grocery shopping and, you know, she's very interested in eating healthy and buying really, you know, um, organic foods from responsible sources. So she's very mindful of that, but that is also extremely expensive compared to, I'm just going to go buy this random head of, you know, lettuce from <laughs> some random place that I found. And that was another one we had to have a conversation about. And that was a little more difficult because, you know, she was trying, she was making efforts to, be responsible with the food budget, but then also make healthy decisions. And so it's kind of hard to bring that up and say, Hey, you know, I appreciate you doing the grocery shopping. I know you're the one doing it and I'm not, uh, but can we do something about, <laughs> about the amount that we're spending? Is there any way that we can, you know, bring this down and maybe make some different choices while still, you know, holding on to your values when it comes to the food that you're buying? I like that, man. Those are good conversations to have. So once you started to make a little bit more separation for what you got coming in and what you got going out, did you have how many credit cards did you have and where did the money start to go to? So we had a total of three credit cards uh, over over that I guess four I think roughly think no I think it was about two and a half years roughly that it took us to pay off the debt and basically what we used was mint.com because it's just been something that I had been familiar with for a while and uh, they had a really cool feature on their site that allowed you to you know you can log into your credit card accounts it brings in all the data but they also had like a repayment little tool, I guess you can call it on their site. And it takes in all the information. So it knows what your interest rates are, your monthly minimum payments. And what it does is it will give you like a repayment strategy and it it tackles it based off of uh, your, I believe it's your highest interest rate it goes after first. So what it does is you can say, all right, I can afford to pay, you know, $500 a month. Then it'll show you how to allocate that $500. And then it allows you to up the amount. So you can say, well, if I was to pay $600, how much faster can I pay this off? It has a little slider and it'll show you how that changes. So that was kind of my guiding tool that I used. And it kind of gave me motivation to say, hey, maybe I could find a little bit of extra money. And if I can, how will that change our, our outlook for the future and paying off this debt? I love that. I've never heard of that tool, that feature from Mint. That sounds great. I love Mint. Um, we've been using it for a while and I think that's an awesome feature. I'll have, to, I'll have to check that out. It wouldn't make the payments for you. It would just kind of give you the analyzation. Is that right? Or would it make the payments? Exactly. It just shows you what to do. It gives you a plan and then it's on. It's up to you to actually follow through with that plan. Right, right. That's cool. Okay, so you went through a lot of work. You had some difficult conversations. So did you guys pay it off? How long did it take you to do so? Talk to us about that. Yeah, so it took us. Well, yes, we did pay it off. <laughs> All thankfully. right. Woo-hoo. Oh, oh. <laughs> one of the best days of my life was making that final payment on the credit card. And it's, it's, I always have a hard time remembering the exact dates, but it was roughly around two and a half years that it took us to pay off all the debt in total. And so we started it somewhere like around the fall of 2014. And I made the final payment in the, I think it was between January and February of 2017. And so that was uh, that was our, our full time frame. And there was, there was a lot of setbacks in there. So I think we could have done a little bit faster. But, you know, things come up and, you know, all of a sudden you have a, a, an emergency uh, medical bill pop up that you weren't expecting or, you know, schools like, hey, you know, you, you actually owe this much more money than you thought because my wife was still in school during this time. And so there's things that definitely set us back. But it was about two and a half years in total to, to pay off that full amount. That's great. So you said you felt great. Was your was your wife relieved on the day as well? Yeah. I, well, you know, I think because I took the lead, mm-hmm. I think I, I felt like I was like <laughs> crazy excited. She was excited, but I was like, you're not as excited as me. Like I was, <laughs> I, was I was like going crazy. <laughs> but yeah, she was she was really happy because it meant that we could make some other changes and we could, you know, live life a little bit differently than we had up until that point. Well, let's talk about some of those changes. What did you guys do? Was there any other debt you had that you're working on or, or did you start investing? How did, how did that work? 
Yeah. So the big thing for me was I wanted to save some money. I wanted to really focus on saving. And one of my regrets during that time, that, that two and a half years that we were paying off the debt, was that we didn't really save any money. It was all focused towards debt. And I think that was one of the reasons why when an emergency popped up, it was such a big deal because there, we had no cash really, or no significant amount of cash uh, to handle any real expense. And so for me, the biggest thing was I want to start saving. I want an emergency fund. I want to feel secure so that way I can handle things when they, when, you know, when they pop up. So really I took I really didn't change our budget that much at first, which probably, you know, my wife, I don't think she was a big fan of that, that, <laughs> that move, but I was like, let's just keep everything the same. And all that money that was going to debt, it went towards our, uh, our savings account. And the, the funny thing is, I don't know if this is like ironic or crazy or weird. I don't know what you would call it, but the moment we started building up an emergency fund, there were no emergencies. <laughs> there was like, like nothing happened. No random bills, no like flat tire, not, not all the things that happened during that two and a half years just stopped magically because, oh, we're prepared now. So, you know, don't worry about it. You don't have to, <laughs> nothing's going to show up and surprise you. So that was, it was helpful because we got to save consistently, but it was like, it was a little frustrating. I was like, come on. <laughs> That's wild. So what, what, um, size of an emergency fund felt comfortable to you? Is it a certain uh, amount of annual expenses or a couple months? How did, how did that work for you? Uh, for me, I went with six months of our expenses and like our, our mandatory expenses. So something like like Netflix or something we do for fun, I don't factor that into our emergency fund because I figure if it's in a real if it's a real emergency, I can cut all those other things out and live without them. So I, I went through and I just looked at our budget and just the same spreadsheet I've been using all this time and I just added up all the mandatory expenses and I just multiplied it by six. And that was my goal. And I would every now and then tweak it. So if, if something happened that caused our expenses to either go down or to go up on the mandatory side of things, I would tweak the goal of that target we were trying to head towards. That's awesome. And how long did it take you to get that six months? Was it a, about a year? Let me think here. It took us about, I'd say a little over a year because I would say it's, it was somewhere around late last year, like mid to late last year when we hit that mark. So I'd say actually it's probably closer to like a year and a half because, you know, in that time, you know, we would kind of fall off the wagon a little bit and say, Hey, I want to take this trip or, you know, we need to buy this for the house and all these different things. So we drug it out. We weren't as focused because we started to kind of ease up as time went along, but I'd say yeah, about a year and a half in total to get there. Well, like you're saying, that's pretty tough for probably both of you to just, I mean, you, you kept that same intensity and it was like, Oh, we reached the finish line, but not really. Well, let's keep going. So, I mean, it's <laughs> probably, it was probably difficult to stay, you know, on that task the whole time. So that's very cool. So you've got, uh, no credit card debt. You've got a, a a six-month emergency fund. So what goals are exciting you today? Oh, that's a good question. You know, one of our goals that we hit a little while ago was we still had a, a car loan for my wife. And so we ended up paying that off late last year. I think it was around October of 2018. Uh, so we actually had gotten that car for her just before we started our whole debt repayment journey. So it was like early to mid 2014 when we got the car. And then it was like late 2014 when we're like, oh, we got too much debt. Mm-hmm. So when when you factor that in, we hit somewhere around $50,000 of debt that we paid off if you count the car and the credit cards wow. that we finished in late 2018. So that was a big, big move for us because we were we were hoping to be able to move to a slightly larger place. We we live in a uh, we lived in a very small apartment, an older apartment, no AC, no washer and dryer. Um, it was just it's very small. It was yeah. it, it was nice. I mean, we we enjoyed the space. It kept our expenses low, but we wanted to possibly move to at least somewhere with a washer and dryer. So we needed some some amenities <laughs> to kind of help life be a little bit easier. And so 
by paying off the car, I was like, we can still keep saving and we can take that money that was going towards your car and we can use that to, uh, you know, change to a different place without having to impact our, our hope for the future. Because uh, the next big thing was really saving for retirement and getting some uh, an, IRA, an IRA set up for my wife and I can start contributing more to the plans at work and, you know, just hopefully set ourselves up for a better future. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I, I'm assuming from when you started this journey to where you are today, you guys were able to increase your income during that time to help combat the debt and with the savings. Is that right? Yeah, you know, I was actually going to just, just tell you about that because uh, one of the big things was we could only put so much towards our debt and our expenses got like bare bones. We, we, we literally were just paying for the bare necessities. And so I wanted to accelerate our debt payment faster. And, you know, I tried a bunch of things. I, I was like, I'll try some side hustles. So I, uh, I sold stuff on eBay. Uh, I did food delivery through uh, Postmates and, uh, and DoorDash. I was doing all these little things to bring in some money. And they helped. They brought in, you know, a few hundred dollars here and there. And I think during the food delivery, like during the peak when I was on it, it was like around $1,000 a month I was able to bring in doing that. And I only did that for about, it was only that high for about two to three months because it was a lot of extra work on top of going to work. Uh, but the biggest thing by far was focusing on my career. So I still work full time. Uh, I was working as a, uh, as a, a payroll manager. So I, I ran a payroll department and my pay was, was pretty low. I mean, it was, it was, it was good for the time. You know, it was, I think somewhere around 40 ish, like the, like the high thirties, maybe low forties. Uh, but I was like, I know I could do better than this. So I, I put a lot of effort and intention, intentionality in towards, uh, my career. So I would join these different associations and I'll be part of, uh, these conferences and I would network and I would just try to do what I could to, to gain experience. And that way, when I apply for new positions, I would be able to actually, you know, get it. I would look, I would look interesting to a prospective, uh, um, employer. So I think from 2014, when I started our, when we started our debt repayment journey to roughly about, I don't know, a year or two ago, I was able to double my income by making several changes. So I think I've changed jobs about three times since then. And each time I was able to increase my income and gain more responsibility and more experience, which has kind of helped lead up to the point where I'm at now. That's incredible. And and you said it right. I mean, sometimes you can only go so far at the place you are with your employer and sometimes you need to change. And when you do make that change, take the opportunity to increase your pay and increase your responsibility. It sounds like you really did that. That's a lot of, uh, of income boost. And I'm sure it's going to help you to get all those goals and, and maybe a little bit of flexibility in the budget now with, uh, with, with your <laughs> life. So that's very cool. So, so Chris, you, you guys went through an incredible journey together to do all this. If you could go back to Chris before you got married and give him any piece of advice, what would you say to him? Ooh, the, the biggest thing would be just get rid of the credit cards. That was like the biggest thing because I tried to still keep using them and kind of live in the same similar way that I was before after we decided to make changes. And it was hard because we weren't being very responsible with them. We were using them and then not immediately making payments or kind of just losing track of where all the money is going. And so then all of a sudden the bills do and you're like, Oh, well that was much more than I thought we were going to (laughs) to have to pay. And it would have been so much simpler if I just said, you know what, we're we're cutting these up, we're getting them out of the way and we're just going to focus on running with a cash budget and taking things from there. And because it's so much easier to keep track of where your money's going. So that would, that would be the one thing I would go back and tell myself because we probably could have paid it off in a year and a half instead of two and a half years if we would have just been a little bit more careful, a little bit more disciplined with our actions. Yeah. So where are you in your in your life now with credit cards today? Do you have them? Do you get rid of them? What, what is your what is your relationship with credit cards? <laughs> so I so I have a healthy relationship with them now. <laughs> At least good. I feel that it's a healthy relationship. So we we still 
do use credit cards, and it's primarily for the rewards. It allows us to to travel for for free or cheap at this point. But I am very very diligent in paying it off. So if I go outside and I go buy, you know, I don't know, some gas with my credit card, I'm going to sit in my car and I'm going to make the payment directly right there, so I don't forget. And I think it's just being more mindful of what's going on and just kind of keeping track of what I'm doing, which is easier said than done. But it's just something that I try to keep, you know, in the front of my mind whenever I'm using it. Like, hey. Go sit down somewhere. It's going to take you 30 seconds. Just make this payment. Get it out of here. And then that way you can go about your business. Are you still using, you said you used Mint for a little while and you use the Excel sheet. What do you use today to kind of manage that, uh, manage your funds to make sure you don't go back to where you were? So yeah, I still use those two same services because they just work so well for me and I was used to the routine and it just kind of helps me stay mindful and uh, keep things on track. That's awesome. I, I actually do the exact same thing. I use Mint <laughs> uh, for a lot of our tracking and then I just love, you know, if I have other sort of projects or things that I'm thinking about, I love to just throw it in my own Excel sheet and kind of make the columns myself and it's been really helpful for me. So, so Chris, during this entire journey, was there a a book or a blog or a podcast, anybody you want to give a shout out today that kind of helped you uh, along your journey that uh, was really influential to you. I'd love to, um, you know, turn our audience onto that person as well. Yeah. You know, I really wish I would have been more connected during our debt payoff journey because it felt really isolated and it wasn't really until I think we almost had paid everything off that I started to come across some different uh, sources and some different people who were doing some, some really cool things. So uh, one of the big ones was the uh, the debt-free community on Instagram. They, they, they have the hashtag debt-free community and they share a lot of different stories, a lot of different numbers. And I think it really helps you feel like, hey, there's other people who are doing this and it's possible. So don't think that it's just too overwhelming and just give up, you know, because sometimes you do get into that place where you just feel like, what am I doing? This is never going to end. This number is too big. But when you see other people doing these things, it gives you that kind of encouragement, and that boost to keep things going. So for sure, hearing stories that people are posting online and um, actually one of the big changes that happened after we paid off the debt, as far as my my thinking and the way I was handling money, was uh, when I found out about the the fire movement, the Financial Independence Retire Early Group, and it was actually Jamila Souffrant. She has the podcast Journey to Launch. Uh, she was the first guest I ever had on my podcast, and talking to her and kind of listening to what she was doing, that was really the first time I had really got a, a real introduction into what they're doing. And, you know, this is just a group of people who are all about saving as much money as they can and being really intentional about their spending. So that way they can have more flexibility and options and maybe even retire earlier uh, than, you know, 65, which is what most people consider a real retirement age. And so I, I think seeing what she was doing and then kind of getting introduced to this community and learning more and more from different people out there has really think helped shape the way I think about money and think about what I want to do with my future and what sacrifices are worthwhile to make in order to, to achieve those goals. So that was probably, I think, the biggest source was uh, people like Jamila uh, who, are, who are putting out these these great pieces of content, these encouraging pieces of content that kind of help you keep going and keep moving forward. That's awesome. She's incredibly inspiring. I'm in a mastermind group with her. I really enjoy all that she's done. And it's so cool that you guys connected for your first episode. <laughs> yeah. That was the episode. That's so cool. So, Chris, I really appreciate your time today. This is an inspiring story, and I hope it helps a lot of people who are you know, around that time of getting married or have some credit card debt in their life and they're trying to figure out how they can get rid of it. So where can people connect with you and listen to your show? 
Oh yeah, thanks, Andy. And uh, if you anyone wants to check in with me or see what's going on, you can reach me over at uh, popcornfinance.com or on Instagram. That's where I spend the majority of my time, and just at Popcorn Finance Podcast. And you know, and you can find the show anywhere you're listening to Andy's amazing show right here. So just look for Popcorn Finance. You'll find me in there. Excellent, Chris. Thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it, man. Oh, thanks for having me. It's an honor to be on. story. Chris and his wife racked up the debt, realized the error of their ways, and then cleaned it up fast. Now they're looking at setting themselves up for retirement and maybe even an early one. Here are my top three takeaways from my conversation with Chris Browning. Number one, assess your financial situation. You won't be able to become debt-free until you know what you're dealing with, right? So assess your financial situation, make a budget, and make a plan. Number two, get your spouse on board by opening up. It may be difficult to share our true feelings about our financial situation with our spouse, but this very well could be the most important step. When you and your spouse are on the same page, the debt-free journey is so much easier. Number three, save money and make more money. It's important to save money during the debt elimination process, but it's a whole lot easier when you're making more. Chris's side hustles and his ability to increase his salary twofold at work definitely were his ticket to debt freedom, in my opinion. Chris, thank you so much for inspiring us today to hit our big goals. I guarantee your example and story will help another couple clobber their credit card debt and join you in the debt-free community. As a quick reminder, everybody, this show is for entertainment purposes only. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. Before we go for the day, I'd like to ask you to do any one of these three things to support this show. Number one, join us in the thriving families community at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash FB group, or simply type in thriving families in your Facebook search bar. There's almost 500 families in there now. It is so cool. And we're all there helping each other get to the next level. Number two, subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast player. And then number three, share this episode with a friend who wants to pay off their credit card debt, just like Chris. You can find this show and all the links and resources mentioned at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 147. That's 147. And if you're new to the show, I'd highly recommend you check out session 116, the 10 steps to young family wealth and happiness. You can find that at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 116. It's a great place to start. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Josh Billings. Debt is like any other trap. Easy enough to get into, but hard enough to get out of. Here's to avoiding that trap altogether, my friends. Carpe diem! <laughs> <laughs>